I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. Joining me today is Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer and the host of It's All Political. The current episode of the podcast is Joe's interview with Molly Ball, the author of a new biography of Nancy Pelosi. We're talking today about what happens next in the Black Lives Matter movement and how white people can be good allies. Joe Garofoli, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, take, taking time from your own podcast. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> so uh, nothing really has been going on the past couple of weeks. Uh, I have my feet on the desk. Uh, really nothing <laughs> going on. This has been unbelievable. I mean, I, I think, you know, we may be looking back at this in years and like, this is one of those, you know, epoch changing moments. Uh, it's it's in, in several different ways. So, I mean, where do you want to start? I know there's so much to talk about. Um, well, one thing I wanted to ask you, first of all, is, you know, we've had these years before where it's the year of the woman or, you know, some big thing is going to happen and change forever. And then sometimes, you know, want, want, it doesn't. But do you think this this is a real sea change in terms of um, mainstream America getting behind, um, you know, the ideas of systemic racial reform and police reform and even defunding the police department has become sort of a rallying cry around, among mainstream Americans, do you think this is going to last, or um, we'll see things going back to the way they've always been? Well, the cynical part of me, and, and as reporters, we're always trained to be cynical. Is, is like, oh, this is this is, yeah, it's it's it's, it's happening right now, but who knows? It, you know, Kamal Bell, Kamal Bell, the uh, Berkeley comedian who's on CNN and Emmy Award winner, he was on Conan O'Brien the other day, and he says, uh, "White people say this was so bad, I feel so bad," but then a couple of weeks later, they say, "Back to my yoga classes." <laughs> yeah, I said. And and I that's my fear. But what I I actually am going to take a more positive th- um take on this because I look at the folks who are getting out in the streets. Uh just a few years ago, any politician, even like a lot of Democrats would not even say the words Black Lives Matter. Now it's not only written uh, in the middle of Washington DC, it's written in the middle of Oakland. Uh, Mitt Romney was, was marching, uh, with the protesters in Washington, DC and saying black lives matter. Mitt Romney, the, the, yeah, he uh, even took a selfie and posted it on social media. Unbelievable. This is, <laughs> um, and the other thing is like, um, uh, you have the, the, the composition that's out there. Uh, when we got to the protest, we see it's a multi-racial composition and, and it's driven, um, you know, it's since since older people can't go out, you know, because of the the pandemic, it's largely driven by young people, and that's always a good thing. And and it's young people like my kids' age or college age, um, and that's a generation that's grown up. You know, the this is the the, the Parkland shooting generation where they're used to starting their own movements. I, you know, I no, we're not going to listen to the old people uh, doing uh, anti gun rights stuff like they they failed to do it so far. We're going to take it in our own hands. Or the Sunrise move, Movement, the um, environmental group that's largely driven by young folks. So that's I, that's giving me hope in that they're sort of driving this right now, and it's a it's a multiracial thing. Right. There's even been a lot of family marches with really little kids mm-hmm. participating, which is neat to see. Um, so you do not think this is going to be just kind of a passing thing? I think it's, well, you know, it's not going to happen tomorrow. Um, I did the story on Sunday and uh, where I, I talked to uh, uh, African-American advocates and, you know, about how to be a good white ally. And uh, one person told me, you know, I, I'm getting calls from all my white friends like, well, what's one thing I can do? Well, she said, mm-hmm. "Well, there's been 400 years of oppression, so we're not going to we're not going <laughs> to turn this around. It's not one thing. You're not going to turn this around tomorrow, and it's not one thing." Um, 
but that's going to be key to this is uh, for for this to happen, it's going to be um, it has to have a significant portion of white allies and they're going to have to do something. And it's not going to be, you know, in, in San Francisco and Oakland, there's already the, the, the balls rolling there, but it's going out to Pleasanton. Go to Walnut Creek. Mm-hmm. How are we going to change our own communities? That's what white people have to say. How are we going to change predominantly white communities? Uh, and, and and that's how a difference, a lasting difference will be made. Right. Why do you think white America is finally waking up to how deep and wide um, racism has always been in this country? Because we've seen so many videos over the years of black people being killed by police. Uh, we see these viral videos and they're always horrifying. But why has this one of George Floyd um proven to be so far such a turning point, do you think? Well, number one, it's the, the graphic nature of the video, though, as you say, we've seen that before so many times. I think part of it is um, is driven by the pandemic. Um, not only has we seen this video, but um, you know we've uh, seen how the pandemic has hurt black and brown Americans much more than white Americans. It not only are, are black folks policed differently in their communities, but, uh, and in every community, but, uh, they have different access to healthcare and just, you know, just being black, the daily stresses, mm-hmm. you're more likely to live in a bad neighborhood. Uh, you're more likely to live in a neighborhood that has a higher rate of pol- uh, pollutants. Um, your body weathers at a different level. And, uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's news to a lot of white America. And since mm-hmm. their ho- lifespans are shorter as well. And lifespans are shorter. And, and since they're, everybody is home and it's, you know, consuming more media, I think that is sort of turned up the volume on this too. And also it goes back to a younger generation uh, that is more uh, in tune with this stuff. The younger generation has grown up in, in much uh, uh, much more multiracial uh, communities in many ways. And the, and the younger rate, younger generation is more multiracial than, um, than uh, my generation, certainly. And we're hearing some ideas that would have been considered really radical just even a few months ago, like defunding police or even in Minneapolis, the city council has talked about dismantling the police department altogether. Um, and that seems to have gone become more of a mainstream idea than it would have been. Um, do you think that will really happen? And any ideas about what that would look like? I think there's going to be uh, some form of reform um, all over the place. And just today, as we're recording this, there, uh, there was uh, introduction of uh, legislation in the House uh, by Democrats um, to to have some sort of uh, reform. Pelosi is behind it, and it will pass the House, and it will, um, uh, you know. But the thing is, the Senate hasn't committed to even yeah. bringing it up. But the, most of this fight is going to be in uh, communities and cities across the country, um, and it it has a, it has a chance. Um, because of all those things, it's good. But the police union is already pushing back on it. Uh, in Los Angeles, uh, uh, the mayor there, Eric Garcetti, has said, uh, I'm going to take $150 million out of the police department and I'm going to put it uh, towards more, uh, you know, health, uh, towards uh, health care, towards uh, homeless services, towards uh, things that are not, you know, a, a, a guy with a nightstick walking up and down the street or uh, a, a patrolling a neighborhood or the, you know, this sort of militarized weaponry that is that a lot of local police departments really don't need. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we're going to start to see some changes like that, and I think those are achievable at first. And you know, if that happens, then you know, maybe more things can happen. But I think there, this is definitely a moment to to turn um, around a lot of police departments. And there's also going to be um, 
uh, a lot of pressure to have more transparency. We still don't know how, and uh, a lot of police departments around the country, how officers are dis- disciplined. If they're disciplined, what happens to mm-hmm. them? Can they still come back onto the force afterwards? That's uh, that's crazy, given how transparent a lot of other parts of government are. So I think there's going to be a, a large push on that, and there's some uh, uh, a decent chance of success of some stuff happening because the public is getting behind this. I'll be right back with Joe Garofoli. I'm back with Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political reporter. It's crazy to me that a lot of times when police officers are hired into new departments, um, the new departments aren't told of any issues they've had in their previous jobs in terms of misconduct. And um, Supervisor Shimon Walton in San Francisco is calling for uh, the San Francisco Police Department to be prohibited from hiring any officer who had any issues like this sustained in a previous job. So it's like you said, the transparency is just not there. Yeah. And it's also the, the, when we say defund the police, uh, that is, um, the, that phrase is going to become, it's already very loaded because, uh, uh, Joe Biden was asked today, uh, are you in favor of defunding the police? And he said, no, I'm not in favor of that. Even Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, the, the two of the folks who were behind this legislation in the house, said, okay, well, how are you, def- when they were asked about this, they're asking their questioner, how are you defining this? Because if it yeah. becomes a phrase like abolish ICE uh, or uh, something like that, then it becomes loaded and the focus, the political focus is on the term as opposed to what's the intent of uh, the the policy changes that are behind it. And that's the challenge that Democrats are going to have here. Because I talked to George Lakoff today in this for story we're doing in the Chronicle this week about the phrase defund the police. George Lakoff, retired UC Berkeley professor. He has been for probably two decades now the uh, mess, one of the big messaging gurus behind the mm-hmm. uh, Democrats and uh, a lot of liberal groups. And he's like, defund the police is a terrible phrase. It's, uh, it's awful. <laughs> he say, literally said it's a terrible phrase uh, because, you know, number one, it's disingenuous because you're not defunding the police. You're not eliminating the police department. You're you're, it sounds like you're zeroing out their, their exactly. money, but you're actually just taking some money away. Right. right? You're, you're repurposing it. You're, you're repurposing, your, you're changing your priorities and stuff. And I said, so what's what's a better one? Do you got a, come on, George, you got a better bumper sticker for me? Because no, that's the problem <laughs> with this. It, it doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. It's, um, so he said, uh, but one phrase that they should focus on and the policy should focus on this is using the phrase our police, because then mm. uh, the people who are, uh, who want reform and 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 I think that's many people uh, would would be that would be better because it's our there's some ownership there and then the police department themselves the police officers can also say hey it's our police department too how can we change yeah I hear from you know residents of low income neighborhoods like the Tenderloin all the time who say they want to see the friendly police officer walking the beat and getting to know people in the community and just having a presence. I think it's these images we've been seeing lately of the protests um, with the police in this crazy riot gear, you know, driving Humvees that people really have such a horrible image of and, and don't like. Right. And the, and the, the president ordering uh, people to fire on peaceful pro- protesters for his own photo op in Washington, D.C. the other day. And, um, you know, and and just and a lot of the time, tear gas is not needed for this stuff, and and no. it's and it's and and of course there, there are people who who are, who are antagonizing the police, and and they they we've seen that for years here, um, but those are those are a very small percentage of the of the groups that are on the street. It's a it's a splinter group. 
So um, what do you think this is all doing to Trump's chances of being reelected in November? His poll numbers finally seem to be dropping, at least in some polls. Do you think he's in danger of losing any of his super hardcore base because of this? Or are they diehard no matter what? He's always said he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan and <laughs> I think the, <laughs> those people would still be behind yeah, him. I think that crew is is, is with him till, till whenever he leaves office, whenever that may be. But I think that the this, depending how this is, uh, what happens here, how this is phrased, how this is, how, what reforms are proposed. Um, the, the key demographic here are, are suburban, suburban women in particular, cause that's a swing vote that, uh, white suburban women, uh, for the most part supported Donald Trump last time. They've been, uh, trending away from him over his, uh, uh three years, three plus years in office. So, um, that's what, who he is in danger of losing. He is, he is, this is actually, um, uh, could <laughs> help him in some ways because he gets to use a wow. boogie, a boogeyman because he gets to say, oh, he's going to go with the defund the police means zero out the police. I'm your law and order person. I don't know that that message uh, may have a very shrinking audience at this point, but it depends mm-hmm. uh, how the Democrats uh, are going to uh, describe their reforms, how they're going to get behind it. And if they can, it, go with something other than defund the police. They have to figure out a, a way to do that that doesn't scare away swing voters. Joe Biden, as I said earlier, Joe Biden's already kind of like, eh, no, I'm not for that, but I am for police reform. Right. And so if you had to um, place your bets now, what do you think is going to happen on November 3rd? Are you going <laughs> to make me be dead wrong in public again like I was four years ago? Oh, God. I've, I've, yes, until yes, until I yeah, Until... Um, the pandemic, I was, uh, I thought the president was going to be reelected. Um, I don't know now. I, I, I want to go and, and, uh, talk to more folks in swing States. Um, I just, it's the electoral college. He will not get more votes than Joe Biden or whomever the Democrats uh, elect. You still can't even predict that anymore. Uh, but, um, I think that the electoral college is still up for grabs. Hmm. And then I wanted to talk more about the um, story you had uh, in the paper the other day, available on sfchronicle.com. Um, that was really, <laughs> really interesting about how um, white people can be good allies. And you talked to several leaders in the African-American um, racial justice movement and asked them for tips. So for listeners, um, what would you tell people who do want to help this movement but are, aren't quite sure what they can actually do? Um, the, the first thing is to, is to uh, as someone told me, is to decenter yourself. This is not about you. This is, mm-hmm. um, this is about making yourself vulnerable and learning and learning about this, the history of oppression. It's, you know, there may be a little reading assignment here or, or, or you can watch a documentary or something, but you have to, you have to put some effort into it. Um, and then, um, choose an issue and, um, and then do something about it in your own community and where you have influence. You can also, of course, support uh, monetarily uh, other other issues and, 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 and causes and such. But it's, you know, a person to person with your white friends, uh, talk to them about uh, what's going on and, and be an advocate for black folks. You don't only, you know, it's, it's guest, you know, the, the, the multiracial protests are great, but, uh, it needs to go further than this if the real change is going to be made. And so that it has to be putting yourselves, you know, people are putting themselves, uh, uh, shoulder to shoulder with black folks in the street. Now, um, take that and, and do it. The, the, the real drudgery comes now. And that's like, 
working on these issues, as we mentioned earlier, about p- police reform in, in suburbs uh, or at the county issue, uh, at county jails. Um, there's all kinds of issues, all kinds of ways to get on. And many uh, black folks were telling me that, you know, um, I talked to one of the young African-American organizers of this, uh, of a, a rally we had here in Oakland uh, for 15,000 people. And these, these are, uh, this is a friend of my daughter's. He's 19 years old. They pulled this thing together. And um, he said, you know, my, um, a white person's voice, it's sad to say, is heard more than mine. Hmm. And that's what we need. Uh, that's what we need to have. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Fifth Admission and keep up the great work. You too, bud. I will hopefully see you in real life soon. I, I miss you and I hope to see you soon. And we'll get a drink at a bar. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> well, we have to sit like was like like eight feet apart. Like we'll have to yell. Yeah. And wear masks. And wear masks. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Thanks a lot. Thanks to Joe Garofoli for joining me today. His podcast is It's All Political, which you can get wherever you get Fifth and Mission. His new episode out today is an interview with Molly Ball of Time Magazine and CNN about her new book, Pelosi. Thanks also to King Kaufman for producing this podcast and to you for listening. Fifth and Mission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.